Season 1, Episode 23, Pete Kingman, Bible Story Evangelism, Hebrews 6, Chapter 6, Verses 1 and 2. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms and of laying on of hands and of resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. I think there, in these two verses, chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, there are six. Now, I covered the first two in episode one of my podcast. Season 1, Episode 1. I I covered uh, repentance from dead works and faith towards God. And I did say, if I remember correctly, uh, that uh, I would come back to verse 2. And so now I'm doing that. But I've got to hit verse 1 again because it's so... I picked it to be the first one because it had such an impact on me. I've been a Christian for 48 years and I never really... I just over I skipped over this verse because it just sounded like double talk. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on into perfection. That word threw me off, but it means maturity, growth. We're supposed to grow, and uh, I, you know I think there's a reason that Peter wrote his two epistles at the end of his life. Uh, read read the second one, and he talks about I know that, that I don't have long for this world. Uh, Paul did the same thing in 8066 or thereabouts uh, I've fought the good fight I've kept the faith um, there's something about maturity that doesn't necessarily come with age but um, I think most of these writers of the Bible did it uh, not in their youth but that's just my take on it and I could be wrong <clears throat> so um, so I want to, to concentrate on verse 2 here but I, I've got to read verse 1 again because I love it therefore leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ let us go on into perfection not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works that's exactly what I did My, your works are never going to save you they're hard to give up I've had people with almost tears I remember one lady it, it, I talked to her and she said what about my good works because you know I was presenting the gospel of the grace of God and it's uh, it's not a reward it's a gift you don't earn it and she, I, I did a good job I guess because she said what about my good works and I said you know they're they're not going to save you they're and, and now I would say they're dead they're dead works and and one day soon I will do uh, one on faith without works is dead because it means the same thing um, your works are not going to do you any good and your your faith is not going to do you any good at the judgment seat of Christ, which is in verse 2. The last of the six principles here, the last one at the end of verse 2 is eternal judgment. There's judgment of the saved, which occurs, most theologians put it, uh, in heaven during the tribulation. The church is raptured out. And then, obviously, you might say, well, what about the, the saints of the New Testament? What, I mean, the, the tribulation, the, the 144,000 amazing evangelists. What about uh, the, the saints of uh, the millennium? You know, just because somebody got the Medal of Honor in the Civil War doesn't mean you can't get one in the, you know, World War II. At any rate, uh, there can be, um, God is going to 
uh, and I think he talks about it here in uh, verse chapter 6, verses 1 through 12, about how he will reward his people. So it's not a bad thing to be rewarded. Here, well done, my good and faithful servant, to rule over ten cities or whatever, to be judged by your works, good or bad. I mean, it's over and over and again. talks about that. But we're not judged to go to heaven. Jesus took our judgment on the cross. He paid for what we did wrong. The gift of God is eternal life. The wages of sin is death. Jesus paid it. But it only counts if you have faith in Him, if you put your hope in Him. And I don't care how much hope or faith you have. It's the object of your hope and faith that makes a difference. If it's Jesus Christ, a little bit of faith, a little bit of hope in Him is enough. You can put all the faith you want in your goodness, and it's not enough. And God created you. He did not make robots. He gives you a choice, and some will believe, and some will not. Read the, the last chapter of Acts, when Paul was in a house and witnessing to people. Some believed, and some did not, in, in Rome, before he was martyred. Anyway, uh, let's uh, get to verse 2. So, well, i got to get back to verse 1. Uh, Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ. I would argue in verses 1 and 2, there are six principles. And they are, in verse 1, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works. Repentance from dead works is a principle of the doctrine of Christ, a foundational principle of the doctrine of Christ. Also a principle foundational doctrine of Christ is faith towards God. Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Okay, but now there's four more. And it starts with the doctrine of baptisms. The president of my Bible college, Hank Lindstrom, used to, he, I've, got, I've got to look it up because I need to teach this stuff because I'm, I'm pretty weak on it, I'll be honest with you. These are foundational, you know, we should, but right, right before this, he says, uh, you know, you, uh, you have need that someone teaches you. Um, in chapter 5, verse um, 11, of whom you, many things to say that are hard to utter, seeing that you are dull of hearing. For when the time you ought to be teachers, you have need of one to teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God. I would say these six are the first principles of the oracles of God and are become such as have need of milk and not strong meat. For every one that useth milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, and those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern good and evil. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, I think it's a, a kind of a backwards way to a backdoor way to, to, to get our attention and saying, because I'm very weak on uh, number uh, five here. I told you there's six. I'm not too weak on repentance from dead works and faith towards God. I've, I've known that for 48 years. That's what I did the night I trusted Christ. The doctrine of baptisms, there's a baptism in the Holy Spirit. There's, there's um, the washing of pots and pans. There's, there's because um, that's pretty much what the word means. There's, there's uh, baptism in the name. There's um, water baptism. There's the doctrine of baptisms. And the ultimate is the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the cleansing of the Holy Spirit. And that, 
And that illustration that Roger Mosier showed me, and so did Jack Weaver, when he put his wallet in his hand and said, he said, let this hand represent you and let my wallet represent your sin, held it out in front of me. He said, you know, you've done things wrong. I said, you know, and I said to myself, tell me about it. And, and he put his other hand out there empty and he said, let this hand represent, reverently represent the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he took this, the wallet from, from the one hand, that, the one that represented Jesus took it and it was on him now. And Roger Moser said, that's what Christ did for you. He paid for your sins. And I said, whoa, that's pretty cool. And then Ephesians 2, 8, 9, For by grace you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast, and so many other verses that I will cover, I guess, a lot of them. But I want to stay on track because when I, I don't get my points made in a timely manner. But anyway, I, I think I'm pretty good on repentance from dead works. I'm pretty good on faith towards God. Although I need to become better, but I, I, trust me, I'm, I'm learning to trust in God. Hurricanes, Abba Father, all things are possible. You take this cup from us, nevertheless, not our will, but your will be done. Because I know there's a lot of people like me praying for those hurricanes to, to hit us. And so far, I've been doing really good. And if one hits, I'll count it all joy. Knowing that the triangle of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have a perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Mature. Um, tested faith is strong faith. I went through Andrew. I think I can go through just about anything else. And, and count it all joy. And that, what a testimony that is. Okay, so on verse 2, the, the doctrine of baptisms, which I talked a little bit about, and I, I need to study more. The laying on of hands, which could be for, uh, for being leadership in a church. Uh, we looked at that in, uh, I think it was Peter. Or no, First Timothy. Uh, yesterday, in episode twenty-two, we talked about. Uh, I kind of went through the book and told you all the things it was talking about and and the requirements for a deacon. I didn't get into it. An elder and stuff like that. Laying on of hands. When uh, when I was ordained into the gospel ministry, I wanted them to put their hand right on top of my head. You know, <laughs> if, if it did anything. But it's just an outward sign of an inward condition. It's not like some magic passes through. Nothing happens at baptism, but you get wet. Okay, you can say something happens. Water baptism. Baptism of the Holy Spirit, yeah, that's, that is cleaning. That, is, that, that occurs at faith in God for salvation. That occurs at repentance from dead works, from dead works to faith in God for salvation. That's, that's the cleansing of the Holy Spirit. And I, I, did, I went home happy. I, I just know that, that night, when that girl said, if I never see you again, I'll see you in heaven. I said, you're right. It just kind of all came together for me. And I was happy. I had found it. I went from hating. I went to that Bible study, hating God because I'd lost my brother in Vietnam. And I went away from that meeting loving God. And I have never doubted that one day I will, uh, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever with King David and, and other people that will be interesting to meet. And some people, you know, maybe more interesting to meet than them that I don't even know their names of. The first will be last, and the last will be first, and that's fine with me. Um, so we talked about laying on of hands, baptisms, number three. Number four, um, laying on of hands. Number five, resurrection of the dead. That one confuses me all the time. Now, I remember I called Jack Weaver, the guy that led me to the Lord, let me think how long ago, about 30 years ago, 
maybe 35 years ago, and some guy was on TV talking about soul sleep and all this stuff. And I said, so, you know, these verses, sounds like we're, you know, kind of waiting for the resurrection. He goes, absent from the body, present with the Lord. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5.8, if I'm not mistaken. Second, you might want to look that up. Absent body, present with the Lord. Just say that into Google, and it'll take you to the verse. What verse says, absent body, present with the Lord? And it'll take you right there. And that's where my wife is absent body and present with the Lord. Her remains are in Arlington National Cemetery, where I'll join her. I put them in the crypt or whatever you want to call it, the, the, the cremated remains. And uh, But the old guard carried them for me, and it was really pretty nice. When I go, I'll have full military honors because I was a captain. and So I'll have a 21-gun salute. I won't have the riderless horse. My dad did, and the caisson and the whole nine works. When we... When, when I went to my dad's funeral at Arlington in 70, the January of 74, my mom and I were riding in the, the Cadillac that was provided to follow the hearse. And I, don't, I don't remember who else was in the back seat of that Cadillac with us. It was pretty, I was pretty numb. But, but, but uh, I do remember, we, we almost said it to each other at the same moment. We looked, I looked at my mother and I said, because this casket pulled out in front of us. They're very organized and... So the, the parking in front of the chapel is very limited, so the, the, the Cadillac pulled out and there was nothing in front of us. And then, just as we pulled up and stopped at a stop sign, this caisson pulled out, this horse-drawn caisson pulled out in front of us, and there was a riderless horse, just like JFK, with the boot in backwards, and the whole nine yards. And my mom and I looked at each other. It was almost like, Jinx, you owe me a Coke. I said, we both said, is this for us? We were just shocked that my dad had such honors. But he was a great guy, veteran of World War II, uh, the Korean War, and the Vietnam War. He was 66 when he got out. I said in one of my said he got he was in till the end of the war, and that was one of my many mistakes. He he got out at the beginning of Vietnam. But my brother had already had a tour in Vietnam when my dad got out of the army. My brother was flying fixed wing uh, plane, an army fixed wing plane, in um, in 65 in Vietnam. Then he went back in 67, thereabouts, and then he went back in 72, where he did not survive. But, uh, oh, anyway, I met a guy from Vietnam in, in, uh, the other day, and I, and I was with another a friend of mine who lost his brother, a pilot in Vietnam, a naval pilot. He was never found, missing in action, still missing in action to this day. But we were talking to him. And uh, we said, uh, you know, we love the Vietnamese people. I said, I love the Vietnamese people. And, and my friend chimed in and said, I do too. It was about him going into the military. We were talking to him, advising him about that. And um, it was just, uh, it was just amazing. And I do love the Vietnamese people. I feel like my brother gave his life for some of the Vietnamese people in the South, you can say what you want about the war, but anyway. Um, okay, so we're, number six is the resurrection of the dead. I, I don't know enough to even talk about that. <coughs> the eternal judgments, I did learn in the last couple of months, and I've tried to tell you about them. There's five of them. There is the first one, there's only one that's taken place. I'll give them to you chronologically, and I'll try to remember to say the number. Number one was Jesus' death on the cross. He was judged for the sins of the whole world and paid 
the price of the death, even the death on the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So when you call Jesus Christ Lord, you're giving glory to the Father as well. Anyway, um, beauty of memorizing verses is you got a lot of them at your, at your beck and call. Anyway, um, so uh, the, the five judgments, sorry. You see my digression. I don't know how you follow me, but uh, kids have, and I, they, they tell me they learned something. But over 35,000 classes in 33 years, I'll let you do the math. Six classes a day, 180 days a year, if you'd like to check that out on your calculator for 33 years. Anyway, um, okay, back to the five judgments in chronological order, giving numbers. Number one is the judgment of Christ on the cross. That one's the only one that's taken place. Number two and three go together. Uh, you can name them in any either order you want. I, I don't know if they're simultaneous or not. I'll go with, uh, with the judgment of Israel during the tribulation. 70th week of Daniel and they pass in flying colors because they come to Christ they, they look upon Jehovah says they look upon me whom they have pierced and they mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son and they shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn and I told you that I saw my dad in bitterness for his firstborn and the wailing was something I had never never heard before I got the phone call at my kitchen table that my mother was gone and, and I wailed and I thought I'm scaring my kids because they were six and seven or something and my wife I think was pretty smart enough to figure it out because I just come back from her bedside but we thought she was going to do fine with the stents but she didn't and my sister said you're an orphan and that's kind of a family tradition and whatever it's, it's not as cold as it sounds um, it's just the truth because I'm, with the loss of my mother, both my parents were gone. But anyway, I, um, I, I, I just wailed. You know, I, I kind of muffled it, and then I thought, you know what, my kids are going to know that I love my mother. So anyway, you can see why I have a hard time staying on my subject here, but that's the way it goes. Okay, number one, um, judgment of Christ on the cross. Number two, the judgment of Israel during the tribulation. Number, and they're on fire for the Lord. Number three, the judgment of believers in heaven during the tribulation. The marriage feast of the Lamb, the Bema seat, the judgment seat of Christ. And I have to study these in more detail myself. But it, it talks through the whole Bible about rewards for the good and bad that we do. So heaven is not a reward, it's a gift. Uh, unfortunately, hell is rejecting what Jesus did on the cross and thinking you can work your way there or whatever. You don't repent of your dead works and you don't put your faith towards God for salvation. And you, you suffer the fifth one, which is the great white throne. And that's, I'm going to say from what I've studied, that's at the end of the millennium, right before eternity, when we have, the earth passes away with a great noise, the big bang is coming. And, uh, but the great white throne, the judgment are, are for punishment in hell, for the good and and maybe there's different levels of hell, I don't know, but I think the creator of all the universe will do right. So, um, the one I left out was uh, the judgment of the nations, which is at the uh, end of the tribulation. So again, without any 
uh, discussion. One, Christ on the cross. Two, Israel during the seven-year tribulation. Three, the judgment seat of Christ of believers of the church in heaven. Number, during the tribulation, approximately. Number four, the judgment of the nations when Christ returns after he wins the battle of Armageddon. There's about 30 days that aren't accounted for. I think it takes that long for him to judge the sheep and the goats. And the sheep don't go to heaven because they took care of the 144,000. They took care of the 140,000 because they were sheep and they had trusted in Jesus Christ. And they were not sealed with God's mark in their forehead and so they could provide food for them and stuff like that. Um, the, the goats are the ones that aren't believers that didn't help the 144,000. In fact, probably turned them in and all of that kind of stuff during the tribulation. So that's the judgment of the nations, the sheep and the goats. It was the very first sermon I ever did. And because uh, I'd heard it for so long and I just knew enough in Bible college to, to, deal, with, to deal with it. And it's, uh, I've kind of understood the sheep and the goats my entire life. That under the least of these, my brethren, it's the 144,000 under the throne of God at the judgment seat of Christ that are that are calling for, they're calling for vengeance because they were slaughtered. So there is some of that in the Bible. I'm that going to lead you away from God? Then that's your business. It, um, he's going to crush the grapes of wrath. You know, he's going to trample out. Uh, sin and, and uh, there's a price to be paid. If you don't trust what Christ did on the cross for you, then you're going to have to pay for it yourself. And that, as far as I'm concerned, it's your choice and God is good. He so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever, what more can He do? Paid for our sins, created us in His image. We're a trinity, body, soul, and spirit. <clears throat> He's a trinity, body, soul, and spirit. And we're accountable. So, um, so again, the five judgments, eternal judgments, which is the last one of verse 2, um, eternal judgments are Jesus on the cross, the Jews during the tribulation, which is in the future, um, the church in heaven after the rapture, which is in the future, Seven years later, the judgment of the nations, number four. Two and three occurred during the tribulation. One occurred 2,000 years ago. And five occurs 1,000 years after the return of Christ at the end of the millennium, the millennial reign of Christ on the earth. Whether he does it spiritually or, or if actually sits you know, on a throne in, on earth, I, I'm not going to be dogmatic about that, but... But if that means the world to you, then, then I'm sure you've got the chapter and verses to back that up. But um, it just seems like it's those people's time to... And they're going to be accountable. Some of them are going to believe and some of them aren't. And that's the battle of Gog and Magog at the end of the millennium. But the, the great white throne is the judgment of the lost for punishment in hell. The judgment seat of Christ is the judgment, is the judgment for believers the good and bad that they've done for reward in heaven. And the bad is wood, hay, and stubble, and it's burned up. And if that's all you got, you're still saved. But if you did anything that was worthwhile, you have gold, silver, and precious stones. So I was going to go on and read the rest of these verses, but I'll leave that to you. Um, 
but hopefully oh, I, I have to. Let me just do this real quick. For it is impossible, verse 4, well, verse 3, and this we will do if God permits. We will leave these things behind if God permits, but you know, I'm a teacher and I don't even know these things. I've got to study them. I'm not a very good teacher. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened, and this is pretty important here. I mean, you can see where people twist this and make it not mean what it what it means. It has to agree with the rest of the Bible. For it, it is impossible for those who were once enlightened, okay, they were enlightened. I was enlightened when I was 17, but I didn't believe. I went home, I said, Dad, what do you think? Jesus paid for all our sins? I heard that in the army. Uh, no, we have to do our part. I said, sure, of course we do. We're like the seeds that were on the side of the road that the birds gathered away. Didn't sprout, didn't do anything. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift, the gift of God is eternal life. So you, it sounds like they've partaken in the gift of eternal life, which is pretty, I did, 48 years ago. And, and there hasn't been a, a more than a, a second go by that I've ever thought, man, what am I, do I really believe this? And then I go, for God so low? Yeah, I believe that. I love that God. And have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Spirit, which was only possible by Christ's death on the cross and only started for people on a permanent basis after Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came down. And he said, I'll send you, and and now the Holy Spirit, know you not, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And it's just a teaching of the New Testament, and that's Christ is the fulfillment. Read the rest of the book of Hebrews if you've got any question on what Christ did and and how much better what he brought in than what was brought in before. Better, I mean complete. You know, he was, the sacrifices were a picture. He was the actual payment for our sins. Get a study Bible. Get Schofield study Bible, and it'll take you right through all that. And not not with a bunch of commentary, but just an outline, and then you read the verses for yourself. And having tasted the good word of God, yeah, I tasted, you know, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, and whosoever believed in Him should not perish, but everlasting. Tasted a lot of the good word of God. And the powers of the world to come, uh, I don't, you know, I'm... I'm, I'm not doing any, you know, uh, miraculous things. I'm just preaching the gospel of the grace of God. But, you know, I, I survived with a broken neck three years ago. Three years ago, last November, about a week ago. Three years, the 27th of November was my three-year anniversary of a broken neck at the C7. Spinal cord exposed in the CAT scan. Sh- shattered ankle to the point where the doctor was talking about amputating my foot. Um, broken femur above the knee, shredded left bicep, massive rotator cuff repair, in the words of my shoulder doctor, massive rotator cuff repair. And and yet, you know, I tell people all that happened to me and they look at me and they go, wow, <laughs> that's a miracle. And I used to not like them to say that. I, you know what I didn't like them to say was, you're lucky to be alive. I'm not lucky to be alive. I will live with the Lord forever in heaven. You know, it's it, Paul said it this way, it's more needful for you that I be here than it is for me. And uh, willing and rather to be absent of body and present with the Lord. 2 Corinthians 5.8. Take a look at that one. I'm pretty sure that one is the verse there. I haven't memorized it yet. I need to put that on my list. 
having tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come, if they shall fall away, if I stop believing. Now, I heard about a, a, a man that was, was Mr. Miami, Youth for Christ, absolutely Mr. Miami. But, you know, he had a blood clot in, in an artery going to the brain, and, and, you know, he died screaming that he, you know, was going to hell, that he hadn't, you know, whatever. And he's not accountable for not getting enough oxygen to the brain. I mean, this guy was a believer in Jesus Christ. I mean, my mother uh, heard the gospel from him and, and took me to hear him, and then he did that hand illustration. She didn't like that. But, but anyway, um, at any rate, I, I, you know, I don't know who's saved and who isn't, but, but it, it, it would be impossible for it, if they fall away, if they shall fall away, verse 6, to renew them again, To repentance, seeing that they crucified to themselves the Son of God and put him to an open shame. Verse 4 For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers, verse 4, chapter 6, verse 4 of Hebrews, the Holy Ghost, and have tasted of the good word of God and the powers of the world to come, if they shall fall away to renew them again to repentance, seeing they crucified to themselves the Son of God afresh, and put him to an open shame. If I said, you know, I could lose my salvation, that would be to say that, that Christ didn't die for my sins or that it wasn't good enough to give me eternal life for eternity, forever. If, you know, for me to believe I could lose my salvation, when people tell me they think they could lose it, I'm, 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 my, my reaction is I'm afraid I, I don't think you have it. Because you didn't have anything to do with it. All you did was receive it. As many as received him to them, became the, he gave the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. So you're born into God's family. It's not something that can be done. It's salvation, not probation. It's not until you turn away or whatever. To renew them again to repentance, seeing they crucified to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. Go to your parents every day and say, I don't think you're my dad. 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 I don't, you know, they're going to get tired of that real quick because it's a shame for you to say your parents aren't your parents. My boys are adopted, but so are we in Christ. And I'll tell you what, you take a look at their birth certificate. Mother, Barbara Satterwhite Kingman. Father, Ralph Wilcox Kingman. Kingman. They get the same birth certificate as you or I. Anyway, um, impossible if they fall away to renew them again to repentance, seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. And the earth which drinketh in the sun, drinketh in the rain, cometh oft upon the earth and bringeth forth the herbs. You know, I'm not a big guy on looking up the words, but I looked up the word herb because I think of that as like oregano. But the Greek word is really a neat Greek word. And I, I took a, a couple, I think three semesters of Greek in Bible college. And, um, you know, the, and I, I know what the Greek letters mean. And this is, in the, in the accents on the middle syllable, boat, boat, Botane, botane, 
botane, botane, botane, botane. It's the Greek word botane, which is plants. And I probably shouldn't say this, but I, uh, because of my accident, and I, I watched a video about um, uh, plant-based diet, and 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 I. I, I've gone off of it three times in the year that I've been on it because that's all that was available to me. I just went to Thanksgiving at my son's house. And, you know, I ate turkey and I ate what was put in front of me. I'm not, you know, but I think it's a, it's a healthy way to go. And uh, so I'll leave that to you to figure that out. But it's, uh, it's a very economic way to go, I'll tell you that. Bringeth forth botane, fit for them whom it is dressed and received blessing from God. But that which beareth thorns and briars, i.e. weeds, and I'm not talking about dandelions, I'm talking about, you know, stickers and briars and, and weeds, thorns and weeds, and is nigh unto cursing, whose end is to be burned. So you've got, you've got food fit, to be eaten and you've got stuff that's not food that's only fit to be burned and that's basically I think uh, a symbol for for people that are born again and people that aren't um, but beloved we are persuaded of better things of you and things that accompany salvation though we thus speak for God so for God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love which you have showed toward his name in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister you know the, the best thing you could do for the lord is is help you know other believers and that's what these people did and in this time you know people were being martyred and uh, and they will be again in the seventieth week of Daniel. We've we are we've had it pretty easy in my opinion, but I know at least I, I know I've had it pretty easy. And and we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end. My hope is in Jesus Christ. And whether it whether I hope unto the end or I don't, if I fall away, I'm still his child. But I won't be fruitful and I won't be, I'm not going to be burned. I'm not going to be, my, my works will be burned. But if, if all I have is, is wood, hay, and stubble, uh, I will suffer loss, but I will be saved yet so as by fire. That's in Corinthians, if I'm not mistaken. I need to memorize that passage too. And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of the hope unto the end. Because it doesn't depend on me, I am full of assurance unto the end that Jesus Christ is sufficient to pay for my sins. And I put my trust in Him. How does it depend on me? It doesn't. The only thing that depended on me was to turn from, from my dead works to faith in God. That depended on me. And I did that. And it's done. And now I'm fit for his use and I want to be used and I want to be rewarded and they're hoping better things for me than these people that turned away.
But I'm, these are people, you know, these are hard times back here. Some people, you know, might, uh, I'm, I'm reminded of the guy, the general, this, the, uh, the Syrian general who, who uh, uh, Elijah said, uh, or Elisha, I can't remember, there's two of them, Elijah and followed by Elisha in alphabetical order. But uh, the, the guy came and, and he had taken a Jewish girl captive and said, and she said, you know, if you, dip, if you go see uh, Elijah, a prophet of Israel, he'll, he'll, uh, he can heal you. And so this guy had leprosy and he wanted to be healed. So it, but his soldiers had to talk him into it, and especially when, when Elijah didn't even come out to meet him. He sent uh, Ghazi, his assistant, out there. And Ghazi said, that the man says, all you got to do is dip yourself seven times in the Jordan and you'll be healed. And he goes, I, I'm, I'm coming from the Euphrates. We have, we have really good rivers where I come from. Why do I have to go to your crummy little river that ends in the Dead Sea? Doesn't even reach the ocean. Why don't, you know, and, and his soldiers loved him because he was a great general. And they said, if he would have asked you to do something difficult, you would have done it. Just do something simple. And so he washed in the Jordan seven times. And when he came up, I guess, on the seventh time, the leprosy was gone. He came back and wanted to give him a bunch of stuff. And, and I, I think this time he did talk to Samuel. I'm, I'm not sure. Maybe he sent his Ghazi out again. And, and, um, but anyway, um, the, the man of God wouldn't take anything for freely you have received, freely you give. And um, the, uh, the servant went back later. Uh, got on a donkey and chased the guy down and said, hey, you know, all that, all those changes of clothes and all that gold and stuff you wanted to give to my master? Uh, we've just had some prophet, sons of prophets come and we'd like to, he'd like you to, to give us, you know, 10 changes of clothes and 10 changes of talents of gold and all this stuff. And then he gets back to the man of God. Ghazi gets back after hiding the, the stuff he'd gotten and, and God, and Elisha says, wasn't I with you when you met him, when he got off his horse and came to you? The leprosy that was on him is now on you. So, you know, um, so, you know, there's, uh, there's rewards and there's uh, loss of reward. And, um, and I, you know, I don't know what state Ghazi was in. I assume he was a believer. But he saw some pretty neat things, I'll tell you that. Uh, one time they were surrounded, and, and Ghazi said, Hey, we got to surrender. And Elijah asked the Lord to open his eyes, and he saw all the angel warriors around him. But anyway, you have to look those stories up. Okay, well, I've got to say uh, adios to God, because I love to say that. Adios to God. And I've got to say vaya con Dios, which is go with God. <laughs>